Many of us know the story of what came to be known as the Little Rock Nine. And if you aren't familiar, it's okay, because I'll wrap a little bit about them into this episode as well. But oftentimes when we hear about the nine black students who were, man, the center of what was going on here in America when it came to integrating the school system, we don't often think about the adults that were pushing for this breakthrough. One of those adults was a woman without fear, and she did everything in her power to get these kids into one high school. And she did it with grace, if I must say so. Season two, episode five. This is Black History Moments, a podcast dedicated to telling the stories of black historical figures that I feel like don't get the adequate attention and recognition that they deserve. And my name is Shakira. This is the story of Daisy Bates. So Daisy Bates was born Daisy Gatson in Huttick, Arkansas. Um, She was born November 11th, 1914, and her mother's name was Millie Gatson, and her father's name was Hezekiah Gatson. So, trigger warning, we are about to get into acts of sexual assault and violence, So one day, three white men came to Daisy's home, and when they got there, they told Daisy's mother, Millie, that her husband had been hurt and she needed to come with them to see about him. Of course, being a concerned wife, she went with them, and when they got her away from the house and they got her alone, they sexually assaulted her and then they killed her. Daisy's father left after that because he was afraid that the men would then come after him next, which was a reasonable fear, right? So I'm not exactly sure how this happened, if he left her with them, but we do know that her dad, before he left, um, he had a best friend whose name was Orly Smith, and Orly's wife's name was Susie Smith. Of course, they're married and they became Daisy's foster parents. So they raised her like their own, so much so that she found out that she was adopted by accident. So she was eight years old and a boy that lived in the neighborhood told her that his mom said something happened to her birth mother. And after this, one of her cousins told her the full story of what happened to her biological mother and father. And after that, it was at that point in her life that she realized what being black in America was really like, because she also found out that the men that sexually assaulted and killed her mother were never prosecuted for it. And I was just thinking about how tough it had to be, you know, to be just eight years old and coming to terms with all of this. That's a lot to wrap your head around. And so her foster dad, Orly Smith, who was the best friend of her dad, her biological father, um, Orly noticed that Daisy's demeanor changed. And it was like she had this bottled up hatred inside of her. And he told her, quote, hate can destroy you, Daisy. If you hate, make it count for something. Try to do something about it or your hate won't spell a thing, end quote. And that was what set Daisy on a course that would ultimately determine how she approached racism, discrimination, and segregation in her life moving forward from that point on. 
So when she was 15, she met the man that would become her future husband, and his name was Lucius Christopher Bates, or LC for short. So LC, he was an insurance agent, and he was also a journalist, and together they traveled the South before they eventually settled in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, Daisy and Elsie, they married in 1941 or 1942. I saw mixed information on that, but we do know that she was 27 or 28 when they married. So moving on, they moved to Little Rock and Daisy and Elsie founded a weekly paper. And that paper's name was the Arkansas State Press. For Daisy and Elsie, this paper provided them an opportunity to give Black people a voice in the community um, that wasn't common for this time period. It was one of the only Black newspapers dedicated to covering the civil rights movement, and it was circulated statewide. Now, as you can probably guess, the paper did not hold any punches. I mean, we're talking about black people and civil rights in the 40s and 50s. So Daisy was an editor, but she was also a writer for a ton of the articles that were printed in the paper. And they talked about injustices going on in the community and throughout the state of Arkansas. They talked about police brutality and violence against black soldiers that were living in a nearby army base. Um, And because of this, all of these different stories that were in print, many of the white business owners stopped purchasing ad space in the paper. And if you don't have any ads selling for a paper, you don't have any revenue coming in to keep this paper in print. Um, But they didn't let that stop them because they did keep the paper going. So expanding her civil rights momentum, Daisy was selected to become the president of the NAACP's Arkansas chapter in 1952. Two years after Daisy became president, there was a huge ruling in the United States Supreme Court. I'm sure we've all mostly heard about it. So that ruling declared that school segregation was unconstitutional. In that case, we all know as Brown versus the Board of Education. Now, in 1896, the United States Supreme Court ruled in a case known as Plessy versus Ferguson that public facilities could be legally segregated as long as the facilities for black people and white people were equal. That's where the whole separate but equal thing came from. Now, as a result of that ruling, there were laws in place that made it possible to keep black people from going to the same schools as white children, from sharing the same buses and transportation, um, different water fountains, different restrooms, lunch counters, etc. That's where we get the colored signs and the white only signs. Okay, and that's where that arrived from. And this also became known as Jim Crow laws. From these laws, it was like a spinoff of this. So this separation lasted for six decades. Now, by the 1950s, the NAACP is in full swing. And I'm sorry if I didn't tell you what the NAACP stands for. It's the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. That's what the acronym stands for. So 1950s, 
The NAACP is fighting several cases that could challenge the segregation of public schools. One of the most famous cases that they backed was a man named Oliver Brown, hence Brown versus Board of Education. So Oliver, he filed a suit against the Board of Education of Topeka, Kansas, when his daughter wasn't allowed to go to the all-white elementary schools. And his argument was that the schools available to the black children weren't equal to the white schools. And so that challenged the separate but equal clause that segregation was based upon. So if you fast forward a bit, um, there's a unanimous vote against school segregation in 1954. Now, you may be thinking, that's great, right? Yay, let's integrate. Um, no, <laughs> not so fast. So when the Supreme Court made the verdict, they didn't say how these schools should integrate. There was no real plan or date in which the schools should be integrated by. So the following year, in 1955, they came back in Brown versus Board of Education 2 and decided, okay, we did our part. We said the school should be integrated, but we're going to hand off the technicalities of all of it to these lower federal courts, and we'll just let y'all deal with that. Now, how you can expect people to integrate schools that have been segregated for all of this time. I don't know, but hey, who am I? So let's go back to Daisy because this is how all of this ties in with her. The governor of Arkansas at this time was a man named Orville Fabus. Fabus. I think it's Fabus. I've heard people say Fabus, so we're just going to go with that. And he was not here for this whole desegregation thing. So they came up with a plan, the Blossom Plan, and they said that they would slowly integrate the school system. And the plan was that the first schools that would integrate would be the high schools. And the school that ended up being at the center of all of this was Little Rock Central High School. So Daisy was smart. And she peeped that this whole Blossom plan that they came up with was nothing but a stalling tactic by the governor. So Daisy selected nine students that would come to be known as the Little Rock Nine. And a quote says, quote, Daisy Bates and others from the Arkansas NAACP carefully vetted the group of students and determined they all possessed the strength and determination to face the resistance they would encounter. In the weeks prior to the start of the new school year, the students participated in intensive counseling sessions, guiding them on what to expect once classes began and how to respond to anticipated hostile situations, end quote. So after this, the nine students that they carefully selected registered to become the first black students to integrate into the school. Well, our buddy Orville, the governor, he was like, nah. Not on my watch. And I know I said that they could integrate, but I didn't really mean it. So Orville calls in the Arkansas National Guard to prevent the students from entering the school. And he claimed that it was for their own safety, but we actually know that he didn't want them integrating into the school. 
parents were protesting, there were rallies, and every single time Daisy and the kids tried to enter the school, they were kept from doing so. And throughout this time, Daisy and her husband were covering all of this in their paper so that people would be aware of the opposition that they were facing. And her home kind of became the headquarters, I guess you can say, of this whole situation. Now, there is an infamous picture of one of the students trying to enter the school, and I'll post it on the Instagram page just in case you haven't seen it and you don't know which picture I'm referring to, but um, I never really knew the full story behind the picture. But eight of the nine students arrived at the school one day in a carpool, but one of them didn't, and her name was Elizabeth Eckford. Elizabeth's family didn't have a phone, so they couldn't call her to tell her about the carpool that they were going to have, the plans to all arrive together at the school. So when she got to school the next day, she was alone. And in the pictures, you can see her, you know, wearing her shade. She's carrying her notebook. And there are these huge crowds of people, adults and kids screaming at her as she's trying to make her way into the school. And she said she was searching the crowd for a friendly face, and she landed on one woman's face, a older woman, and she said that she looked like she was smiling in a way, like she may have been friendly. So she looked back at the woman, and when she looked back at her, the woman spat on her. And I just, (laughs) these were... We're talking about kids here, like we're talking about teenagers, high schoolers, and how people can have that much hatred in their hearts. I mean, it's just unbelievable to me. So President Eisenhower, he gets word of everything that's happening, and he orders 1,200 troops to go down to Little Rock and make sure that these kids can get in the school and also make sure that they are protected while they are there. That day, September 25th, was their first full day of classes once he dispatched those troops there. But I think that oftentimes when we hear the story of the Little Rock Nine, we just kind of leave it there. Like we say, yeah, they integrated the schools, the end. (laughs) But that wasn't it. It wasn't just roses and sunshine for those kids. One of them, Gloria Ray, she was pushed down a flight of stairs Melba was beaten and had acid thrown in her face. They were all banned from extracurricular activities. Um, One of them, her mother was fired from her job when she refused to withdraw her child from the school. I mean, it was just ridiculous. The stuff that they had to face to just be the first ones to integrate into the school system. And there was so much more that happened. So the National Guard had to remain at the school for the entire year. And Daisy was right there with them. She would be with them, escorting them into the school, advocating for them throughout their time there, being their voice and the person, their shoulder to lean on while they were there. And one time she said that there was a rock thrown into her window at her home. And on the rock, it said, a rock this time, next time, dynamite. And so she wondered, you know, when someone would come by and attack them or torch their home and burn it down, because that was normal happenings at this time. But Daisy kept fighting. 
She was the only woman to speak at the 1963 March on Washington, where Martin Luther King gave the infamous I Have a Dream speech. And just a little plug here. If you follow the Instagram page, Black History Moments, you know that that phrase, I have a dream, actually came from him asking a woman if he could borrow that um, that phrase from a prayer that she gave. You should search the page if you don't know what I'm referring to because it's on there. All right, so Daisy continued her activism and she lived in Washington, D.C. for a while. She worked with the Democratic National Convention on some anti-poverty projects for Lyndon B. Johnson, but she eventually moved back to Arkansas after she suffered from a stroke in 1965, but that did not slow her down. She worked on a ton of local community initiatives before she passed on November 4th, 1999, and she was 84. And actually, fun fact here, the state of Arkansas made the third Monday in February Daisy Gatson Bates Day. So that means that this coming Monday is Daisy Bates Day. And in honor of her and her efforts, I challenge you to share her story with someone you know, a coworker, a classmate, a friend, someone at the barbershop, the hair salon, I don't know. Just share a little bit about her with them and hopefully we can give her a little more credit for her efforts. And with that, don't forget that we have brand new Black History Facts every single day on the Instagram page, Black History Moments. We have them on the Facebook page and the Twitter page. So if you want to learn something new every day, just follow one of those for new facts. And remember that you too are Black History. And I'll see you guys next week.